Hello, and welcome to Cat the Baker. I'm Chef KB. Thank you for joining me. I've been through so much lately. I feel like I'm always going through so much. I'd like to be able to say I have a fair balance with work, my personal life, that it's all okay. You know, when things go well, there are small stretches at a time. And then all of a sudden, something else happens. That's life. But I feel like with me, nothing's ever really steady. Something's always shifting. In this case, it's my personal life. I just went through a lot of heartache, which I didn't see coming. Or maybe I ignored it. Maybe I did feel it coming because it wasn't feeling the same as it used to. Something has shifted. Basically, the person that I thought I was going to marry and be with the rest of my life randomly ended it. He didn't share the same feelings as me and not do long distance anymore. We had been doing it for almost three years, which, I mean, that's hard for anybody. It was super hard for me, and I tried to just dig through it because I thought it had a happy ending. I thought it was worth it to follow through. And somewhere along the lines, he lost the thread of us. He lost the meaning. Yeah, that definitely took some adjusting. But you know, you have people in your life for certain things. Some people might talk about a spiritual contract, if you will. Like you meet certain people to help you through that amount of time. And then afterwards, it's over. He started something with the so-called then friend of mine when I was working in Switzerland. They started a connection. They started to hang out like way too much way too much for somebody who's engaged. We were engaged. They did all kinds of things together. For example, he asked her to try on the engagement ring that he bought for me because his hands are so large, he needed to see it from small hands to see how it looked. They went to yoga together. He invited her for pizza, one-on-one -on -one in his apartment that he made from scratch for her and jokingly asked me to clean it up for him the next morning because his apartment looks so messy. He went to her apartment to comfort her when she wasn't feeling well. All these things that made me really just uncomfortable. That's not what you do when you're engaged or in a relationship. So all these things were happening. I started to have a breakdown. It totally flared up my PTSD that I had from my marriage, where basically the same thing happened. He brought this into our relationship. He made me feel not safe. He made me feel threatened. I got super jealous, and he didn't see anything wrong with it. That was the traumatic part for me. And when I visited him, none of this was going on. It all happened after I left. And when I came back from Switzerland, I had this dream that it was him and her, and they were basically cheating on me. That was my dream. I asked him to stop seeing her when I was having this mental breakdown. And he said, okay, anything you need, no problem. But the thing is, he said he did, but he didn't really. Because I asked him, how did she react when you told her, you know, that you wouldn't hang out anymore? And he's like, well, I'm not going to tell her. I'm not going to hang out with her. Only when I asked him to end it, did he admit that he did feel a connection with her and it had gone too far. But then he never ended this relationship. He continued to see her. They continued to talk, and he would talk to her and connect with her rather than with me. And what I realized later on is this dream that I had, it was reality. I couldn't stop it. I thought it was a warning, but it wasn't. 
it was it was a premonition. And basically, he met her. He didn't want to move to the state this whole time. The last few years, there was talk of him moving here, and it wasn't all me. We talked this through, and toward the end, he made it seem like it was my idea. It was my dream. There were reasons behind it, and every step of the way, we would talk about it. But toward the end, he was afraid. He didn't want to move. I get that. You know, you have to up and change your whole life. But meanwhile, he's seeing this other person behind my back, and he never ended it. And to me, that was so disrespectful to know that I had this breakdown, to know that I went through this, and he brought it into our relationship and basically sabotaged us. That was what shook me. And then all kinds of feelings go through me. Like he made me into a joke, and they were just planning for him to end it with me. And then he doesn't have to change a thing. You know, he's in the country he wants to be. He's got this woman in front of him that basically convinced him to stay. And when you're afraid to do something, it doesn't take much convincing. Yeah, he doesn't want to move here. And that doesn't leave anything else left for us. It was already final. I saw it in his like body language. He was very short with me. I've never seen him that way. He was very cold. And he'd made his decision. It's almost like there was a stopwatch behind him and he just had to get it over with and done. I deserved more than that. We went through so much together and we almost freaking made it to the end. That's the crazy part. And to treat me like that as if I was nothing, that's the hardest part. If he had come here and we talked about it person to person, and even if we ended it, at least it would have been in a loving way, in a respectful way, because of all that we had gone through. But to just snap your fingers and it's done? Okay, great, (laughs) thanks. His breakup sentence was, I don't want to move to the US, I don't want to marry you, and I'm not going to come visit you. Basically, he ended it two weeks before he was supposed to see me, and I hadn't seen him in four months since all this went down with his other woman. When I first went to Switzerland, I was in Arizona, I had just given up working at the cafe. And just a month prior, the person I was dating in Arizona, also long distance. I mean, that was two hours apart. Very doable for me, I guess. You know, now I have this expert training in long distance. Two hours, he was in Phoenix. I was in Flagstaff. And I would work. And then I would drive down to Phoenix to spend the weekend with him. And for me, work started at like 5.20 a.m. And I would work through and bake everything for the morning. If I have a goal, I'll do it. You know, I will make anything happen. I don't know what's going to happen in that process. And that's kind of my addiction to adventure. You know, I don't know how it's going to end. And that's scary, but also that's life. So many beautiful things can come out of a situation. And with that, with the good always comes the bad. You always have to be prepared for it not working out. And I was so focused in all these relationships on the other person. I wouldn't say that I didn't regard myself. I did. I wanted that other half to just be with me. I never had to be with a person because I need that person to fulfill me. No, I just always wanted that balance of somebody by my side, somebody to just have my back. In my 20s, I wouldn't do things because I didn't want to do them alone. I always had to find somebody to do something with. And throughout the years after my divorce, 
well, even through through my marriage, we didn't want the same things. That's when I started doing stuff alone. And I got really good at it. <laughs> you know, and I thought, why, why am I married? The thing is, the problem for me is not finding somebody to date. The part that's hard for me is just having something long-term. Having somebody see me for who I am. As a matter of fact, I just had a great date the other night. He was super interesting. He had an Australian accent. He was very charming, a uh, gentleman. He made me dinner. He made me breakfast. <laughs> but it was just a really nice time. And I love that he had all these experiences around the world. And it just totally took my mind off of everything that had been happening recently. And what I realized, I've always been uh, like a people person. Like If somebody's unhappy, I'll find a way to make them happy. And I didn't realize how much I really did that. I've always been somebody to go out of my way for somebody else to feel good. I did that in my childhood because my parents would argue. And I would always step in and make sure everybody was feeling good. I carried that on into my relationships. I remember I didn't care about things. You know, I love like gifts and stuff like that, but it's not about stuff. It's about experiences. The person I was with, I would surprise him with um, like a biplane ride or hot air balloon ride. <laughs> the thing is though, the person I was seeing wasn't too cool with heights. So what happened was we had to be at this helipad early in the day. I had booked this experience through Groupon. It was great. The person I was seeing, he drank um, like a strawberry kind of yogurt shake. I thought, well, maybe it's better just to have something when you're going on this plane ride. I was wrong. We go up in this plane, just me and him. The pilot is like, let's do some loops in the air. <laughs> And I'm like screaming in the sense that, oh my God, this is so fun. <laughs> and I look next to me and let's just call him Ken for the sake of him having a name. I look next to me and Ken is like totally pale and he's about to vomit. And I'm like, what? Are you okay? <laughs> and he just shakes his head and all of a sudden his mouth fills up and he has to spit in like a vomit bag and basically the whole ride smelled like strawberry yogurt because he just vomited as we were doing like a loop-de-loop. -loop. And then I felt so bad, <laughs> you know? Like I thought the more cool stuff I would book and do with him, then the more he would want to be with me and think I'm cool. I don't know, it was just, I'm adventurous and I think that other people are the same way, but definitely they're not. That was kind of almost the beginning of the end because I booked so many things and he, he just wasn't into all of it. He just wanted to sit in front of the TV and not do anything. So he ended it with me, I think right before Thanksgiving, which is like, that's the meanest time to end it with somebody is during the holidays. It happened again during the holidays now. So maybe that's just, <laughs> that's just the time to end relationships. I don't know. I was totally heartbroken from Ken breaking up with me. I thought we could just be together and enjoy each other's time. And we even went to Mexico together. We were only there for four days because a friend of mine got married. He didn't really want to come with me because he was already kind of planning to break up with me, which I didn't know at that point. But I asked him to come with me because it was my friend of 
like 20 years and we had been dating for two years and I wanted him to meet her. And I booked all these activities, swimming in a cave and seeing all the stalactites and stalagmites, swimming in this huge cenote, which is a cave. We went to Cancun and they were just really cool things. He thought that I booked these things to make him come with me. No, I booked these things because I wanted to do these things because I don't just go somewhere and sit on the beach. I mean, nothing against those people, but what's the point of that? <laughs> I'll go to the beach for an hour, but then there's so much else. I love to travel and see what there is to do there. And maybe I do that to a fault. I just need somebody who feels the same as me regarding adventure and not being afraid of new things. I still haven't found that match. So anyway, he broke up with me right before Thanksgiving and it was like the worst Christmas. I had already decided to go to Switzerland to the chocolate factory. So it's like I just almost needed that. I left, I flew to Switzerland and I was just like, I'm doing this, I don't care. I'm just doing it. Like, I don't know the outcome, but I need this. I need this thing to get me out of this rut, to get me out of this feeling. I just thought, I have to do this for me. And I did. I arrive in Switzerland. I mean, I had been there as a kid. So many places. It's like I never know how it's going to work out. But I'm like, I'll just fly there. You know, I have a basic plan. So I flew to Zurich and I had a hotel that night. And then the next morning I took a train because the chocolate factory was about 45 minutes, an hour away from Zurich toward the mountains. And I had a room that I booked through Airbnb. It was the only room available. So I'm like, um, this is the only room. I have to take it. <laughs> and it was not cheap. I mean, but nothing in Switzerland is cheap. Like, it's ridiculous. In Switzerland, everything is so organized to the point everybody just follows how it's done. And if you can't abide by that, you'll get a ticket in some fashion. I took the train out to this town called Mollis and I arrived in my room and I thought, oh my God, like I made it. <laughs> and I was about to start at the chocolate factory in two days. So I thought, okay, I'm going to walk around, get to know the area and I also thought, I'm going to make the most of being in Switzerland. I didn't have a car, so trying to get around would be okay because I could take the train, but the train is very expensive. And if I want to go to, like, see touristic things, you know, you have to switch trains. So it's like if you had a car and you were to drive there, you could do it in an hour. But to take all these trains and switch and go by the timetable, it could take two to three hours. So I'm like, oh no, I don't want to just be on the train all day. I thought I need to find somebody with a car. And my goal was just, I want to see the most of Switzerland that I can, even though I'm working, because I'm always going to have weekends off. The factory was Monday through Friday. So my goal was to find somebody with a car. And I'm like, how am I going to do that? And I thought, Tinder, I'm going to go on a dating site, go out with somebody 
and suggest certain places I want to see, and this person has to have a car. So I would look at the profiles. And the weirdest thing in Switzerland is Tinder in the U.S. is not really known for long-term relationships. I mean, not really. I'm sure people find that on Tinder. But in Switzerland, it seems to be this is the place for everything, including long-term relationships. Like some profiles will say, want baby and marriage. And I'm like, what? This is Tinder. Like how? <laughs> they wanted all these serious things. And I forget which one it is. Do you swipe left if you like it or right? I don't know. Maybe right. But then I would forget and swipe the wrong way. And then I'm like, oh, no, he's gone. <laughs> like, how do I find that again? You know, and you just keep going through all these pictures, which is so the worst. If somebody looks good, generally, in my experience they're not always the best person. You know, because some people are so hung up on how they look that they take advantage of that. Like, through my marriage, I hit some tough spots, and I had gained some weight. And for me, it was just dealing with stress of the relationship, plus trying to compartmentalize that with having a job and just living life. I gained some weight after the divorce, or it was like kind of through the stress of the marriage. And it was when I got divorced that I was... Like a year later, I was the healthiest I ever was because I went on this diet and I lost like 50 pounds. What's weird is you don't change as a person when you lose weight or when you gain weight. Like you're still that person. I always thought that because for me, it was so hard to lose weight that if I lose this weight, I'm going to just be this different person and I mean, still be me. But I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. But the thing is, you're still the same person. You just look different from the outside. I remember going out with this guy and I hadn't yet lost all this weight. We only weighed on like two dates or something. So then I saw this guy again. He was working at a bank and I picked up some money, whatever, from the ATM. He didn't recognize me after I lost the weight. Oh, hi, it's me. And he's like, do I know you? I'm like, yeah, we went on like two dates. He's like, oh my God. He's like, how are you? And then all of a sudden he wasn't interested in me. He wasn't not interested in me, but he just thought I'd be an easy person to go out with. But now all of a sudden I lost all this weight. He, there was a new interest and he's like, let's go out, you know? And then afterwards I realized, like when I stepped out of the bank that like how shallow, it's still me. You know, you treated me crappy when I was overweight. And now from the outside, yeah, I've lost some weight and now you're nice to me. Like, how shallow is that? And I thought, is it worth it to look good, to be thin? I mean, yes, it's worth it for me to be healthy. I never had this side effect, if you will, of attention. I was uncomfortable with that to a point because it was all so fake. I can't stand fake anything. It was so off-putting, you know? And then I messaged him later saying, you know what? I'm not going to go out with you. You didn't treat me great the first time. Why am I going to go out with you now? And then he responded like, that's fair. <laughs> like, but it was just a disappointing moment to see, okay, now I've lost weight and now you're interested. Where was I? Okay, right. So I'm on this dating site, Tinder in Switzerland. I pull up this great profile pic. Like it looked good and it looked like me, you know, but there's me who's usually in the kitchen wearing some makeup, but very little, because if I'm standing in front of a stove or an oven all day, it's not about looking good per se, you know? 
I'm just gonna not look great in the kitchen. I was on this dating site and it had to say, have a car. Like, I, I think there was a section like that. And for this one guy, I wasn't sure. And there was a match and I set up this date. <laughs> like one of the first questions when I met him, cause I had to take the train to meet him. And one of the first questions when I met him was, do you have a car? <laughs> And he's like, no. He's like, I don't believe in that. I don't need it. The Swiss public transportation is great. I just take trains and I work as little as I can. I still live with my parents. Nope, not for me. But the thing is, yes, it's shallow, but I wasn't being shallow in a sense. I just wanted, I wanted to just meet a cool guy that had a car. Anyway, so this guy was out. So one morning I woke up, it was a weekend and the mountains were all snowy. And I thought, today, I want to go sledding. And I was determined to go sledding. And I had a couple of people that there was a match. In two hours, I'm going to be sledding. I knew this was going to happen. So I, I start writing to the people that I knew had a car. And I'm like, hey, how are you this morning? Like, do you want to do something? You know, and this one guy responded. And I hadn't met him before. And I said, do you want to go sledding today? And he's like, what? <laughs> He's like, I've never had somebody jump to an activity this fast. I'm like, yeah, it's a nice day. Let's just go sledding. He was totally for it. You know, if this were like New York or some big city, I wouldn't recommend it. But this is a small town in Switzerland. I wasn't concerned. <laughs> he was downstairs. He picked me up. We drove to the mountains, which was like 30 minutes. But by public transportation, it would have taken two hours or something crazy because I had to switch. Like I had to switch buses. So we get to the mountain, we go up the sled. And like, he's a nice looking guy. You know, nothing, nothing wrong. The thing is, let me just tell you, when I got to Switzerland, I'm like backtracking because I have to explain something. All the ads and, and everything is written in German. And I know German, I speak German. I thought, oh, like it's a German speaking country. No problem. But then they start talking and Swiss German is, it's not an official language because there's no like dictionary for it. It's just German. But then they start talking Swiss German and it's like this crazy dialect. And I got there and I felt so alienated because I thought I knew the language, but I didn't. And I speak German, so... It was clear that I was a tourist just to get groceries because they'd ask, you know, you want to pay for a bag and you need a receipt. But it was all Swiss German. And I get back to my room and I'm this isn't what I thought it would be. It's completely different. And then all these feelings came up of it doesn't matter where in the world you are. You can't just be sad you know, because I was broken up with and I was so excited to just leave the situation that I thought, I'm just going to leave. I'm going to start something new and it's going to be great. You know, this is not a bad mindset, but it, the thing is, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. If you leave something, those feelings are still with you because they're in you. You're the same person. It doesn't matter where you are. You just still have to deal with those emotions. You know, and that sounds basic, like that sounds logical. But for me, sometimes I feel like if I do this thing, I'm going to escape going through this process. And that's never the case. You just still have to go through the process. The thing is, when you're doing something new, maybe it's easier. Maybe it's just something else to focus on. So here I was in this new country. I was still dealing with the loss of the breakup. I don't know. And I was alone. You know, it's like I did this adventure. I did it by myself. I just flew across a different continent 
And I still had this emotional situation that was the same. You know, you can't outrun yourself. And that's when I really felt that because there was nobody else. I had to go through this. So that's also too with the dating app. It was just a distraction. So I go up with this guy. He drives me up the mountains. We go sledding. He spoke German. Like most Swiss people speak Swiss German and they have to make this like extra effort for you to understand when Swiss German, that's the complicated thing. Like, <laughs> and the longer I was there, the more I understood it. But it's like, what a twisted dialect. It was crazy. And this guy, he spoke German, German. We go up this mountain. We decide to get a sled. And the cool thing is in Switzerland, like here, it would be considered too dangerous. But there, they're like, yeah, just slide down the mountain. You know, it doesn't matter. Like there'll be these crazy bumps in the middle. You start flying and then you hit the edge of the mountain and you could basically like die. No joke. There's no fence or anything. It just says warning. <laughs> and then you have to go around the curve and keep going down. But these like sledding tracks would be like a couple of miles. Like you could sled down the whole mountain and it was awesome but super dangerous. And we did it going over bumps and laughing. And I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. <laughs> you know, what's also funny is we had lunch in Switzerland on the top of a mountain. You have these restaurants. They're nice, like home cooking. We picked, I think like rusty, which is shredded. It's like a hash brown really, but you, you make it with egg and you put like other veggies in it kind of saute it in a pan on slow and then you get this big kind of potato pancake um, and that's everywhere that's like a total thing and anyway we had lunch on this deck of the restaurant before we slid it down the mountain the sun was very strong it was afternoon it was sunny and I didn't know this guy you know as we were in the car like we were he was asking me questions and it was going well and then he was on the top of this restaurant in the sun and he was just he just decided to close his eyes <laughs> in the sun and kind of sunbathe. And I was like, that's kind of weird. Like, I don't know this guy and he's just randomly sunbathing. It's like I knew there wasn't anything there. I wasn't gonna see this guy again. So he just takes his moment to like sunbathe. And I thought it was the funniest thing. So I take a picture, like selfie mode of me and then him sunbathing in the background with his eyes closed. I don't know, it was just like one of those weird moments. And anyway, so later we sled down the mountain and it was so much fun. He drives me back and it's not like he said, yeah, let's hang out again. It wasn't like that, but I got what I wanted. I went sledding and he had a car and it was perfect. And I said, yes, mission accomplished. <laughs> it wasn't even about the guy. It was just about the activity. That was the reason for going on Tinder. I went out on a few dates, but the thing is, if the guy couldn't speak actual German, he would speak Swiss German, I totally couldn't understand it. And I would just be concentrating so hard on what he was saying that I couldn't even have a conversation. What? Like, us? Us? <laughs> they cannot speak Swiss German. Like, I can't do it. And Swiss people, when they go out on dates, they're so well behaved. <laughs> like, it's so formal. It's almost like too formal. They're so, like, robotic on dates. At least these guys were. And then I was like, this guy's not interested at all. Not at all. And here I am asking what all the time? Like, how is this going to work out? And then at the end of the date, he walks me back to my room and then he's like do you want to do this again and I'm like 
what? <laughs> Why? You know, I didn't say it like that, but I was like, this whole time, it didn't seem like you were interested. Do you want to? You know, and he's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I don't think we went out again. I don't know. It was maybe he was just being polite. You know how some people don't know how to end something? They're just like, oh my God, let's do this again. <laughs> you never hear from them again. There was this Italian guy on Tinder, and I was like, yeah, he looks good. But the thing is that's funny on dating apps is men totally lie about their height, which, I mean, most women lie about their weight. I didn't want somebody shorter than me, and I'm not super, I'm like, I'm not tall. I'm like average. I looked on certain heights, you know, and this guy said he was kind of a little taller than me. I'm like, ah, that's not very tall, but speaks Italian. That's a plus, you know, and this obviously Switzerland was after my time in Italy and working there. And I wasn't sure about Italian men because they're so flirty. But I thought, okay, you know, who knows? He's got a car. <laughs> like, that was my number one concern. But he was living in Zurich. He had this like Maserati. I think it was a Maserati, but it was a super low car. Like if there was a rock in the road, you totally feel it in your seat. Like it was that low. And this car was super loud. It was unnecessary. He picked me up in this village. He's like, I'll pick you up. I'm like, okay. He's like, you'll hear my car. And I'm like, what does that mean? He was right. Like he showed up. This car was crazy loud. And this was nighttime in the village. Nothing was going on. You could hear a cat meowing. It was that quiet. He shows up in this loud car. And I'm like, oh my God, this is what he meant. I go down, we're about to eat fondue. I found a place not too far from where I was staying. We drive there. We have a really good time. He was a nice person. He drives me back. <laughs> you know, I mean, he really kind of wanted this date because in Switzerland, when something's an hour away, that's like five hours in the US. You know, most people don't even see the whole country. And this country is small. It is not a large country. Yeah, so I guess because he was Italian, he didn't really care too much about distance or he just really wanted to, you know, go out with somebody, right? And for me, I'm like, he's got a car. Cool. And he was talking about food the whole night. And I thought, yeah, this is, this is positive. If somebody talks about food, that's a must. It is a must. It sounds like, okay, like you really need somebody to talk about food like that. And yeah, you know, it's my interest. It's what I do. Once I dated this guy in Palm Springs and he totally was a health nut. He was anti-sugar. He was like anti-carb. You know, it all had to be healthy, which is fine. But me being a pastry chef, I'm going to have to deal with sugar. And then he's like, just cut out sugar. I was like, that's not easy. And then there's his replacement sugars, which are the worst for your body. You know, you can only eat a certain amount of them because otherwise you have to end up on the toilet all day. Like they're not healthy sugars. But the thing is when you bake with sugar, there's a reaction and the product comes out great. But when you bake with substitute sugars, the chemical reaction is completely different and you never really know how it's gonna come out. It didn't work out with that guy. You know, this Italian guy in Switzerland, he was talking about food all night and he's like, I make the best ravioli from scratch and tortellini. He's like, let's see each other again. And I was talking about how I learned to make tiramisu in Italy from 
this Italian cookbook that I talked about in another episode. And I said, this is the best, the best tiramisu. And he's like, I don't know. My grandma makes the best tiramisu, him being Italian. And his whole family is in Italy, of course. I said, well, I'm going to prove it to you. Like, I make the best tiramisu. And he's like, okay, we'll hang out. All Italian men have to speak to their mom, like, every day. And he was no exception. <laughs> so I saw him again. And this time I took the train to see him in Zurich. Um, at his place so I didn't have to experience the loud car <laughs> he told his mom that he met somebody who makes the best tiramisu and it was it was already a thing this was already a competition I said okay I'm gonna do it you know I made my own sponge I made my own sabayon which sabayon is just you cook over a double boiler sugar egg yolks and then you slowly add any type of alcohol but to make tiramisu you use marsala wine which is essential like some places don't use any alcohol some places use rum and i say no you have to use marsala wine and of course he knew about this being italian he's like uh yeah like marsala wine <laughs> so he's making i think ravioli from scratch he made his own dough he made his own like filling i was totally impressed but like i said it doesn't take much to impress me i mean like pasta is a simple thing but when you make something simple from scratch you cannot fail like it's the best thing and it's so easy and i was watching him do it totally like getting attracted because i'm like oh my god <laughs> he's making first of all i love pasta and second of all, you're making pasta from scratch by hand. Uh, this is like perfect. You know, and then he was watching me make tiramisu. I didn't use chocolate powder. I grated the chocolate and he's like, wow. He's like, I've never seen that. I'm like, yeah, this is the best tiramisu. He was super impressed by my tiramisu. He's like, he's like, this is the best tiramisu. Thank you. <laughs> like from Italian to say that, like this tiramisu from this German American girl, is better than your grandmother's tiramisu? Wow. And he's like, I'm never gonna tell my grandmother. That's okay. <laughs> you know, we've only just hung out the second time. It's okay. Like this could work out, you know? At my time in Switzerland, like he knew I was only there for a few months. And for a couple weeks there, I was working in Zurich. So we hung out a little bit. But the thing is when we went out, to dance or to a bar, and this was before COVID, he would check out a woman from top to bottom, but like not in the corner of his eye. He would do it full on, a 20 second look with me next to him. And I'm like, uh, okay, like this doesn't make me feel good. You know, like don't do it in front of me, geez. And that was a total turnoff. It kind of just fizzled out. And then at that same time, I started seeing, let's call him Matt. He was working at the factory. And the first time I heard him, he was talking in a very loud voice to somebody at work. And it was a turnoff. He seemed very impressed with himself. He was making a joke, but it wasn't funny. I was like, wow, this guy's like a douche. <laughs> I totally was like, okay. And then as I was working, this other woman next to me, she's saying, he's single. And I was like, yeah, like, I see why. And she's like, no, he's a really nice guy. And I'm like, okay. I wasn't impressed. So also I'm at work. Oh, I'm not going to start something with uh, somebody I'm not impressed with. Next thing I know, like I hang out with some people at work and then they want to go climbing, like an indoor bouldering kind of place. And... I said, yeah, like I'll go. And I went and it turns out that Matthew also was there. And I was like, oh my God, this guy. 
<laughs> and he starts talking to me. Just he's like, oh, I heard you're from the U.S. He's like, but you speak German very well, you know. And I, I filled in all the basics. But he looked at me very intensely. Wow, like, is he interested? At first, I was answering my answers very quickly, and I was like, I'm just gonna climb. But he wouldn't stop, and he kept asking me and asking me. And maybe I misjudged this guy. Like, he's giving me all this attention, and it's nice. And the way he was looking at me, he had these blue eyes, and he made me feel like seen. He made me feel attractive. After climbing, we had a one-on-one -on -one conversation, like during the climbing. You know, what do you like to do? And I said I like to hike for a few hours and then stop and eat ice cream, <laughs> which I did. It would be like my reward for climbing. I found this place in Switzerland that had these great ice cream cups, which I love. I would just go alone you know, after hiking and just eat this layered ice cream cup and feel like, yeah, like I did something awesome today. I hiked and I ate a delicious gelato. So I told him that and he's like, well, we should hike together sometime. Okay. And I was like, do you want to have ice cream too? He's like, yeah. <laughs> so I think the next time we were off was in like two weeks or like further down the road. But the thing is, I felt this really good connection with him. He gave me his number or through a friend or something. And I texted him like that night saying, do you just want to meet up sooner? And he's like, sure. So I think it was like maybe three nights later or something. He invited me to his place for a Greek salad. All right, you know, that sounds healthy. And he made an effort, you know, and it was simple. And we just talked for hours. I misjudged this guy, you know, because first impressions don't mean everything. When I got to know him, I'm like, oh, but I'm still seeing this Italian guy. He planned another kind of date with me, Matthew, but I had to kind of decide. So I thought, okay, on Thursday, I'm out on a date with Matthew. And then Friday, I'm out with the Italian guy. I never gave him a name right. I did that and I said, whichever date I prefer, like I'm gonna kind of not test this guy, but decide based on the date. I met with Matthew and he was even more interested, you know, and we talked forever and it was just nice. Share this connection and the way he looked at me, he had these just deep eyes. I just could tell this attraction and I was so drawn to him. And then Friday, I went to Zurich and I hung out with the Italian guy. We went dancing and it was super fun. Like it was a lot of fun, but what turned me off was that he was staring at every woman, 20 second stare, every woman in the bar. And I was like, no, this is not the guy. Matthew, he's the guy. So that was my decision. And then that's how it started with Matthew. We spent like every other day together and it was like simple stuff. You know, we would make something to eat. We would go on a walk. Yeah, we ate ice cream. <laughs> that's always a plus point. It was just really good company and it was nice. And he was tall, which I liked. And then just two weeks later, he asked me to move in with him because he knew I was only there for three months and I was staying in this room, which wasn't anything special. And I was paying a lot of rent. And he's like, instead of paying it here, why don't you move in with me? You know, pay me some rent and then just live in a home, you know, and you can cook and, you know, take a bath and whatever. And I said, okay, like it's kind of weird because I barely know you. This could go either way. It could be really good or really bad. We got along well and he just wanted more time with me 
and at the same time, you know, pay less rent, I guess, right? <laughs> like for him. And I thought, mm, okay. You know, all right. So I moved out of the room and this was like a week before COVID started, like really. And it was perfect timing in a sense. I didn't know, like nobody knew what was going to happen. And I thought, wow, what a crazy time to date. I feel like nobody's dating because you don't know, does this person have COVID? What does this mean? Am I going to die? I've been in Switzerland for like three weeks at that point. All of a sudden, all this stuff was going to go down and nobody knew what that meant. So I moved in with Matthew. It was nice. We got along well. We even got along better than expected. Like we would watch TV together, we would hike together, we cooked together. And that was just so nice, you know, to be able to have that connection with all this crazy stuff going on around us. It's like we were in our own bubble. I still had to work, but to come home and be able to cook, just have that time together. Like it was just very innocent. Like for me, you know, it was meaningful and it's what I needed. I found a new beginning and I thought, oh my God, like I can see myself being with this person. He's in another country. I don't know how this would happen. I don't know what's going to happen after, but let's enjoy these three months together. And we did. If this is the reason to go to Switzerland, like, yes, I was learning all this stuff about chocolate and how to make chocolate and all that. But, you know, to meet somebody who was sincere and he just wanted to take care of me and just be there for me. And I wanted the same for him. You know, me moving in was kind of risky on my part because I'm like, is this person crazy? <laughs> no, he's not. Like, he's sincere. And yeah, I fell in love with him. Like we did. We, I ended up staying longer than three months because of COVID. I had planned to travel. I couldn't do that. All my flights were canceled. You know, I was able to continue working. I can't go back right now. I mean, are you kidding me? And then I would see all these reports on the news saying that it was worse in the U.S. than Europe. And Europe was pretty bad, depending on certain countries. Like Germany, for instance, fully kind of shut down, or France. People couldn't even go outside in their gardens or their homes. And the thing was, in Switzerland, there's so many mountains, and you could just go out and walk up a hill. There weren't a ton of people. So I was like, wow, I'm in the perfect place for this craziness. I can share it with this person. It was just so meaningful to have this relationship during this turmoil and this crisis and this, the unknown. I'm so grateful that we met before COVID went down, you know, because then everybody basically had to stay at home. It wasn't a mandate, but the Swiss people are very good at doing what the government wants you to do. And I'm like, oh, let's go out. <laughs> you know, let's go climb a mountain. <laughs> Meanwhile, other Swiss people were not even out hiking because the government strictly said, stay home. But this was the perfect time to hike because there was nobody. So we would go up all these mountains. It was great. We would pack our own picnics. We were in another world and we could share it together. And I didn't want to let it go. I stayed for about six months. And then I was given the job in New York to work as a chocolatier. I left and I didn't know what's going to happen. What's going to happen with us? This was the first time in my life that I felt something different. This was different. You know, when I was proposed to the first time, I freaked out. <laughs> I mean, I was in my 20s, that could have been part of it, but that was a red flag. I should never have said yes. If I had listened to my true feelings, I should never have said yes. And I did, like, I said yes. 
but then I was crying, but not in a like, oh my God, I love you. I'm so happy crying kind of way. It was like disturbed crying. And I married this person anyway. And it was a terrible marriage. It was terrible. But this was like, this was real. This was coming from my heart. I'd never felt it this strongly. And I didn't want to lose this person. I didn't know, like I'm flying, COVID's happening in New York. How will we see each other again? You know, I had no idea. I was planning to propose to him, which was huge. And it was, it was mainly like, I want to be with you. I want to find a future for us. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I feel like if I don't do this now, I'm never going to see you again. You know, this kind of like feeling. Is that the right reason to propose to somebody? I don't know. But I was acting purely on my emotions, but sometimes I overthink things. And this to me just felt right. This was pure. And I knew he liked salamis and meats and cheeses. So I made this whole charcuterie board. I gave him a card and it just suggested, let's get engaged. And and he's like, are you going to get down on your knees? And... And then I did, and it was like a funny thing, and, and he said yes. That's like the craziest thing. He didn't want to lose that either. None of us knew how this was going to continue. So I went to New York for, I think, like four months. If he had wanted to come to New York, he couldn't, because at that point, everything was kind of shut down. You had to have visas and all this, and I had a green card, so I could enter, but he wouldn't have been able to. So we started long distance and I figured out a way at work. When I got to New York, the store wasn't open yet and there were things that needed to be changed and the builders had slowed down because of COVID. So everything was uncertain. And then I went to the CEO in the US and I said, when this store opens, I want to be ready. So I need to know how things work, what I'm supposed to do, because I hadn't learned that fully in the factory for my position in the store. And, and I said, I need to go back to Switzerland and only work in the store. And then that way I can copy what I will do in the store. It was very logical. It made sense. And he's like, you know what? That's a good idea. He's like, why don't you go over there for a few months, like be there over Christmas and then come back and we can open the store. And then, you know, everything that has to be done. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> Meanwhile, it was just a reason for me to get back to Switzerland so I could spend time with Matthew. I got back, you know, this four or five months were super challenging, but we would video chat and we made it work. But it was hard. It was not an easy thing because I just wanted that, that connection. I wanted to hold his hand and, you know, like you do when, when you fall in love with somebody. So I got back to Switzerland. I didn't know how long I would be there. But we made the most of it. Again, we went on hikes, we played board games, we did everything because COVID was still happening. So we did everything we could. And most of that was in his apartment because restaurants were closed. Everything was closed. So we just cooked a lot. We watched movies. We ate breakfast on his balcony. And, and it was like we were living large. You know, the grocery store was open. So we'd buy everything we needed. And I would cook and I knew that me cooking impressed him. He enjoyed eating well and I tried all these different dishes and he was just impressed more and more. It was real. And then a few months later, I had to leave. I think it was, I was there another five months, almost six months. And I had to go back to New York 
And still, everything was shut down for people that didn't have a visa. So I didn't know when I would see him next. I went back, we talked every day, sometimes twice a day. And that's when he said, I want a future with you. And then he had proposed to me because he felt awkward like I had proposed to him. Like he wanted to, I guess, tell me that he also felt the same. And I said, yes, you know, let's do this. We didn't know when we'd see each other next. I had to get an apartment in New York. And then I knew, okay, like now we're long distance for real. I can't just go back and forth. Because I was at this point the only person that could travel and, and be able to see him. But now I had this job and it wasn't so easy trying to set up a life and you have to pay rent and all this stuff. You can't just do whatever, right? Or you can if you have the money, but I didn't have the money. And I think this time we didn't see each other for five, six months. Like this was a big stretch. And the next time we figured out we can be together if he's in Costa Rica for a week, then... I can join him. You could then from Costa Rica come to the U.S. if you've been in Costa Rica for like two weeks. And so he got there sooner. I met him there. And yes, we did that so that he could come to the U.S. and he could spend, you know, a couple weeks there with me. And then this would work coming from Costa Rica. And then I met him there. And at first he was very like unhappy that we had to spend money in Costa Rica to be able for him to see the U.S. But I said, it's okay. We'll make an adventure out of it. You know, I'm really good at that. And I researched everything. I planned our whole trip. I booked all the places we stayed at. And it was a great trip. Like, it was perfect. We hiked. And we were just in a different country, enjoying different food, enjoying the sights. We rented a car. I loved it. And I truly thought... Like, we can do this. We can get through this. Then he came to the U.S. We did a road trip kind of up and down the coast, North Carolina, and then up through Maryland, like New Jersey. It was perfect. Long distance isn't the same as in person, obviously. But we had found something that we could hang on to. It was meaningful. It was special. And we talked about the future. And I thought he wants the same things. Ideally, he wanted me to move to Switzerland and stay there, but I wasn't sure if that's what I wanted. Having worked there, the Swiss people are more rigid. Yes, everything's planned to the second, but it didn't feel like home. You know, if I thought I had to live in Switzerland for the rest of my life, could I make it work? Yes. Do I feel I could reach my full potential in Switzerland? No. And I'm not saying I have it all figured out. There's something about living in the U.S. There's pros and cons about every country. But something about the U.S. that you can always get back on your feet with, like, true self-will. If you have a dream for something, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what you want to do. You can just start something and it can be successful, which you can't really do in Europe. It's, it's just different. It just felt like being in the U.S. was right for me. And it was something I couldn't explain fully, but I felt at home here. I mean, the most years I've spent of my life have been in the U.S. I have so many memories of Europe, but I grew up mainly in the U.S. He didn't really know the U.S. It wasn't his goal, I guess, to really live in the U.S., but he was willing, or he seemed willing. He would visit me. We spent 
the Christmas together. He surprised me last minute by flying to New York, which was super special. And and that was a Christmas that I, I think it was like through New Year's that I got COVID. I was like, of course, I got COVID right when he's here. So I basically just had to stay home, which was okay, you know, but my apartment wasn't very big and he wanted to see something else, but he wasn't too impressed with New York. He would visit me and want to see the U.S. and see if it was a place that he could be. And I was having kind of trouble with my job because I couldn't be creative. I didn't feel like it was the right thing. And I saw that he didn't want to be in New York. And I thought, I need to find another job that's more fulfilling to me and that's in a different location that he could also be you know that we could see each other be together and then that's when I started applying to other jobs as a pastry chef and that's how I got to Aspen and in between of course you know my mom passed and he showed up for that he went with me to Arizona and he saw me at my worst I was literally just crying all the time And it was so hard for me. He saw me so ugly. He just was there for me. You know, I did what had to be done, but him being there gave me strength to do it. I really felt like because he saw the worst of me, yeah, this is gonna work. And then he helped me move to Aspen. He came to the US. He was there for me again. I packed everything and he loaded it up on the truck and we drove cross country to Aspen. But we got to Aspen and we really loved it. I mean, it was such a small town, you know, but there were so many similarities to Switzerland that I thought this is like the perfect bubble. (laughs) This is the perfect place that he could be with me. And I believed it. Part of me moving here was I wanted to feel like I was doing the right job, feel like I was being creative. My mom passing kind of propelled that. Part of it was also I wanted a future with this man. And I wanted him to have a smooth transition. That was the plan. We continued long distance. You know, he set the timeline. When I was in New York the first time after having proposed, he said, I will come to the U.S., but I need to give it like three years, two and a half years. It was like in that time frame. And I was like, what? Like, why so long? And he's like, I just need time to transition. I need time to save money and all this stuff. And I said, okay, like, I know this is a huge change. I support you in that. We can do this. And I was 100% with him. I wasn't, I didn't want to push him. I didn't want to force him away in this whole process up until he couldn't do it anymore. He started sabotaging the relationship. I mean, yeah, it's a different life. There, two hours away is... It's like six hours here, you know, (laughs) like just in the sense of distance, like people don't just drive like they drive here. Here you have to drive because mileage is so crazy. And in Aspen, you live in the middle of the Rocky Mountains, like to get to Denver, it's four hours. I mean, it's not a short drive. Did I know it would work for sure? No, but we've done so much. We've been through so much. Could it work? Yes, it could. But that is a huge risk. And can I ask that of somebody that lives in the most (laughs) planned country in Europe? I don't know. I thought he was strong, you know, and this was the deepest relationship I've ever had. (laughs) He's seen the worst of me. He's seen the best of me. I've seen the best of him and the worst. But I thought if I show him those places, maybe he'll love it 
like I love it. You know, he supported me through so much. And we helped each other through all these tough times. You know, doing long distance from a different continent is, it's kind of insane. <laughs> but I feel like I've prepped for this my whole life because all of my relationships I've had rarely were in the same city, in the same place. If I can do something that's different continent, I mean, I can do anything, really. He didn't have that same vision as I did, and he didn't believe that he could do it. I wanted to support him. I wanted to be there for him the way he was for me through these tough times. And again, when I set my mind to something in my heart, I will follow through. If we can only make it to the next point we see each other. It was so close. It was almost there. And if nothing else, if he was only there for this, then it was beautiful. I know it made us stronger people. I grew through this relationship. My determination was so strong to make it work, to look into how we could make this happen. I know this relationship was important for both of us. And if nothing else, I choose to continue growing. I ended up in Aspen. I ended up where I can be creative and I see my transition in the last nine months has been huge from where I started in New York, from my work not being appreciated, till now, you know, making this great gingerbread house and making these wedding cake. I feel that I can really see my transition and feel my growth. If it was for this relationship to get me here, then so be it. But I know that every step of the way, I trusted my heart, I trusted my feelings, and they did not betray me. And I think that's the, the thing that I take away from this. That's what I continue to keep saying and will always say, follow your gut. Everyone has their own decision makers inside of them. You have the choice of your future if you regret it or not. If you're living your true self, then there are no regrets because this decision impacts the next decision and so on and so forth, which continues to keep you growing as a person, as a chef. If you're open-minded and live with an open heart, you can do no wrong. Anyway, something to think about. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope somehow there was some inspiration. Or maybe it was just good for me to think of my thoughts and get them out. I'm Chef KB. This was another episode of Cat the Baker. Please join me on Chef KB on Instagram and Cat the Baker on YouTube. Until next time.